And then let, I invite you guys to take your Bibles, turn with me to our scripture reading for our sermon text this morning. We continue in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and this morning we come to verses 43 through 45. During this Lenten season, we're preaching through this section of Luke, chapter 6, that I have called the Sermon Off the Mount, Luke's version of Matthew's famous Sermon on the Mount. Today we come to verses 43 through 45. I'll ask you to please stand as we read Holy Scripture together. This is God's holy word for us, His people, and these are the words of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaks. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let's ask Him to bless this word for us today. Father, we pray that You would make the reading and now especially the preaching of Your word to be living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. For this is the word according to which all things in our hearts are laid bare before You, those things for which we must give account on the last day. I pray that you would, by your word, stamp your truth upon our hearts and mark our lives by obedience to all that Jesus commands us to do. Begin even now to change me and all of us together to be a little bit more like Jesus today, conformed a little bit more in his image, that we may go and shine that image forth for his glory. We ask it in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we looked together at verses 37 through 42, and we discussed what I called Christian karma. I didn't get any emails this past week saying, how dare you? So that's good. Maybe some of you have that email saved as a draft, and you just decided not to send it. But what we looked at, even despite the, the name that was meant to startle a bit, despite the name, what we looked at was the fact that God governs a moral universe, not just a, a physical universe with the laws of nature, but a moral universe with moral laws that have real ramifications of cause and effect. We commit some sin and there are consequences that ripple out somewhere in the world and in our lives, and that we'll come back around eventually. Or if we do good, that will ripple out as well. God oversees providentially by His invisible hand behind the scenes, oversees how all these things work together. And by the measure we use, that's the measure that comes back to us, Jesus says. And we also looked at 
the difference between the authentic, genuine follower who's consistent with Jesus' divine love ethic, the difference between that person and what Jesus calls in verse 42, the hypocrite. And we looked at judging, condemning, unforgiving, ungenerous people who are Christians, as opposed to those who are not judging or condemning, who do forgive, who are generous. The one is like the blind leading the blind who has the log in his eye and he's trying to get close enough to give you an eye exam and he keeps poking you in your eye and that's why the blind end up leading the blind and we all cause a mess. But the measure you use, it's measured back to you. Jesus says this is a hypocrite. This is someone who does not walk in love the way we looked at in verses 27 to 36. This is the person who is not being consistent with the kingdom. Who's claiming to belong but not following Christ correctly. That's last week. And that sets us up this week because if you noticed in our reading, verse 43 starts with the word for or because. So what Jesus says this week is an implication that follows from what he just said last week. Judge not, you'll not be judged, condemn not, etc. The measure you use is measured back to you. The blind lead the blind. How can you tell your brother, let me get that log out of your eye, when, when they get that speck out of your eye, when you have a log in your own? You hypocrite, first deal with your own log because, for, which leads in to today's passage. So what he has to say this week is supposed to follow from and support what he just said last week. When you're reading your Bibles, look for these little connecting words that show you the train of thought, that tell you how the author's mind is moving. Look for words like for and since and because, so because they help you to think God's logic after him as you follow the thought of the inspired author. And in this case, you follow the logic of the master himself. So in this passage, Jesus uses primarily this metaphor of fruit trees to illustrate his teaching. And we're going to look at that use of metaphors under these three points. First, Jesus teaches that fruit reflects the health of the tree. Second, that fruit follows from the nature of the tree. And third, fruit comes from the root of the tree. So let's start with that first one. Fruit reflects the health of the tree. Look again at verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree, Jesus says is known by its own fruit. How do you know when it's summertime? Sounds like a weird question. What do you mean, how do I know when it's summertime? But really, how do you know when it's summertime? Most of you guys know that I do not like the cold. I love the warm months. Early autumn is nice, and snow is pretty when it falls. It's even prettier when it melts. But I look forward every year to spring and summer, and I keep waiting this year. 
They keep telling me spring's already here, but I don't believe you. I don't believe Pennsylvania. What is this climate that you brought me to? <laughs> it was like a week ago. Me and Sarah are in the kitchen. We're talking. And, you know, and I'm just we're right in front of the sink. Here's the window. And I'm just kind of glancing out the window just as we're talking. And there's like a nice pretty sunbeam. And it's pretty. And then I look back. And it felt like two seconds later I look back. And it's a blizzard. <laughs> and I said, this is the stupidest place we've ever lived. <laughs> it's spring. But I don't believe you. How do I know when it's really spring in Pennsylvania? You can't follow the calendar. It's a lie. You guys are making it up. Spring does not come in March here. How do you know when the season changes? How do you know when it's springtime? How do you know when it's summertime? How do you know when it's arrived? Well, you look for the signs. You look for the clues. You look for the effects of summer. This is a distinction that in philosophy we call the distinction between the order of being and the order of knowing. Now in the order of being, we mean that causes come before their effects. Right? The cause has to exist before it can produce an effect. That's the order of being. One has to be before the other. Causes come before their effects. But in the order of knowing, it's the other way around. That you know the cause because you see the effects and you can follow the trail back to the cause. This is how things work all the time. Uh, you know, I, me and Sarah are sitting in the living room. We hear a noise in the kitchen, a loud thump. Hmm. We heard a thump. What must have happened to cause that thump? We know the thump first. Now how do we figure out what caused that thump? Then you walk in there and see that we have very rowdy cats. And you think, aha, the cause must have been one of these wretched creatures we own. <laughs> that we love. But some animal misbehaved. Or in a court case, here's the evidence, your honor. Here's all the effects. We found this knife. We found a pool of blood. This was the DNA evidence that the witnesses next door saw. You see the effects, and then you try to figure out what's the cause. Is this person who's accused of being the cause of the crime actually the one who did it? So we do this all the time. The order of being, causes come before their effects, but the order of knowing is often we know the effects, and then we reason back to a cause. This is what Jesus is utilizing in our passage. He's talking about in this first point, in verse 43, the order of spiritual knowing. Or the spiritual order of knowing. How can you tell a good tree from a bad tree? Well, Jesus says that, you, that your, the fruit tells you the health or condition of the tree. So when you're looking at you know, a pear tree, and you look at this tree, and you see that it's nothing but rot all over the thing. Pears are all over the ground, and it's rotten. It, it looks diseased. And you think, hmm, how do I know this is a good tree or a bad tree? Well, you look at the fruit. You look at what it produces. You look at the effects, and then you can reason, okay, bad trees produce bad results. If this was a good tree, a healthy tree, a sound, flourishing, thriving tree, we wouldn't be seeing all this rot. We would see nice, delicious, beautiful 
pears. Fruit tells you the condition of the tree, Jesus says. My original question about summertime, how do you know when it's summer? You look for the effects. Okay, the weather is changing. The grass is growing green. The plants are starting to come alive. Flowers are blooming. The leaves are back on the trees. And nobody in here would think, ah, well, the blooming of this flower is what makes it summer. Right? This, this tree putting out leaves causes it to be summer. No, you've reversed the order of being in the order of knowing. Summer is what causes the earth to be green. Not the green causes it to be summer. You see? In the same way, the tree has to be good first before the fruit is good. The tree has to be bad first before the fruit is bad. And when we are living authentic Christian lives, Jesus says, we will bear good fruit. We have to be healthy ourselves before we produce good works, before we produce the fruit of the kingdom. You can know a tree by its fruit, in other words. So when you come to this verse, now you have an answer to those who always fire back at you when you say, I don't think you should have done that. Well, judge not, verse 37. And you say, well, no, verse 42. Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye so that you can see the speck in someone else's eye. So you can see it clearly and not as a hypocrite who's looking down your nose at somebody. But you can be humble and take care of yourself first and then be able to see clearly how to help somebody else. We're supposed to be helping each other. We're supposed to be noticing specs and saying, let me get that for you, or take, you know, might want to take care of that. Not in a, I'm holier than you, what a horrible person you are, but in, a, in the right spirit. We're supposed to be able to tell what kind of fruit each other is bearing. But some of us act like we're called by God to be the church's official fruit inspector. Right? You have a badge, a clipboard, a pen, and you're going around and you're going to inspect everybody's fruit to see who's good and who's bad. And Jesus says, worry about your own fruit first. Tend your own tree first. Take the log out of your own eye. We have to first be healthy before we produce healthy fruit. Otherwise, we're bad first, and then we produce bad fruit. The order of knowing is you can tell what the health of the tree is by the fruit it bears. Now, where does this spiritual health come from? In other words, how do you be fruitful and stay fruitful? The Bible has a lot to say about this. Jesus has a lot to say about this. And over in John chapter 15, he gives us a wonderful uh, a wonderful teaching on how to be fruitful and stay fruitful. Jesus says in John 15, beginning in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless 
you abide in me. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. How do you get fruitful and stay fruitful? Number one, stay in the vine. Abide in Christ. He is the vine. He is the root. He has the sap, the nutrients, the nourishment that the branches need to be healthy and to bear fruit. And you have to abide in Him and He in you. The way a branch is attached to a vine. Sucking up all of the generative power of that vine, being healthy in Christ, bearing the fruit that Christ produces when you abide in Him. Number one, stay in the vine. If you're not feeling like the healthiest tree today, if you look at your own fruit and you think, hmm, I'm not sure if, if I'm a healthy tree or not, I don't know if I'm a healthy Christian or not. I'm seeing a lot of rotten fruit or no fruit at all sometimes. How do I, what do I do with that, Pastor? Well, number one, stay in the vine. Cling to Jesus. Draw life and health and healing from Him. And know that the Father is the one who's tending that vine. And He will see to it that you go and bear fruit if you abide, if you remain Second, second way to be fruitful and stay fruitful, don't just stay in the vine. But number two, soak up the Word. Stay in the vine and then soak up the Word. Continuing with this tree imagery, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. You know what that person's like? If you do that, if you soak in the word, verse 3 of Psalm 1, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that it does it prospers but the wicked are not so they are like chaff that the wind drives away how do you stop from becoming those brown dry crunchy leaves that just get dispersed by the wind in the off season you remain in the vine and then you put your roots down deep in the Word of God and you draw your life from that Word. Stay in the vine, soak up the Word, and then your leaf will not wither. You will bear fruit in your season. Stay in the vine, soak up the Word. And third way to be fruitful and stay fruitful is sow to the Spirit. This is Galatians Six. I read this last week. Galatians 6. Paul says, The one who sows to his flesh, Galatians 6, 8, The one who sows to his own flesh will reap, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. Sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh. 
Invest in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Remain in Christ. Stay in the vine. Cling to Christ. Put your roots down deep in the abundant Word of God and soak up the life-giving power of that Word. And then go out and invest and sow and plant to the Spirit so that you can have a crop from the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. You need Christ, you need the Word of God, and you need the Holy Spirit to be healthy, to be fruitful, to be one who bears good fruit and who endures the winds and the chaos of the world, the withering of the world. Martin Luther has a very famous quote. He said, Where the Holy Spirit is, there it is always springtime. The Holy Spirit brings His light and His warmth And just as the change of the season brings out the fruitfulness of the earth, so the Holy Spirit, dwelling in a heart, warms your heart and brings forth the fruit of the Spirit, the good works, the good fruit that we're called to have. Fruit tells us the health of the tree. Fruit reflects the health of the tree. Now, number two, fruit follows nature. Look at verse 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit, Jesus says. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Jesus begins in verse 43, with an illustration of two types of trees, good and bad, which stand for two types of Christians, fruitful and unfruitful. This is an appeal to what we call the order of knowing. Each tree is known by its fruit. His next illustration here goes much deeper than merely examining fruit to detect health. He now moves from the order of knowing to the order of being. Here, the issue is not the health of the tree, but the nature of the tree. He says, you do not go to a thorn bush expecting to find figs. That would be ridiculous. And you do not go to a bramble bush to find grapes. In other words, the kind of fruit a tree produces is determined by the nature of that tree. And likewise, bearing the right kind of fruit as a Christian is determined by your spiritual nature. It's determined by what you are. In other words, Jesus is telling us we need the right kind of nature We have to be the right kind of tree to bear the kind of fruit the kingdom calls for, this divine love ethic that Jesus commands. We don't naturally bear this fruit. We are thorn bushes, and we don't produce the figs that the kingdom requires. We are bramble bushes. We're not these great luscious grapevines that just naturally bear the fruit Jesus is looking for. 
We need a new nature. It would be just as silly to go to a patch of thorns and think, well, I don't see any apples on the thorn bush. Hmm, Must be a bad apple bush. (laughs) It would be just as silly for us to go to an unbelieving, unregenerate, lost person and ask them to do any of this and expect anything like this from them. They can't do it. They're, they're not the right kind of tree. You're, you're, you're looking for the wrong fruit. We are all in that condition until we are born again. Until we have been made new. You must be transformed into a new creature in Christ. You must be given a new nature by the regenerating power of God. Ezekiel 36, 24 to 30, this beautiful prophecy of the new covenant where Ezekiel says, I will gather you from the nations, my people, which means Jew and Gentile alike will be the one people of God. I will gather you from the nations and I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will put a new spirit inside of you and I will take that rock hard stony heart out of your chest and I will give you a new heart that beats and is soft and tender and alive and I will put my Holy Spirit in you and you, I will cause you to go and obey my commands and walk in the fear of me and I will give you this fruitfulness that I command you to have. That's the beautiful power of the gospel that God promises to give us what he requires from us. By putting his nature and spirit and power down on the inside of us. A new nature remade in the image of God. So that we then go and we do abide in Christ. And we do put our roots down in the word. And we do sow to the spirit. And we do walk in newness of life. And we are new. And it isn't a pretty poem. Isn't that nice? Oh, we're new creatures. No, really. You're brand new. That old nature is gone. Yes, sin still clings tight to us, but that's not what we are anymore. We're not diseased, rotten, dead trees. We're not thorn bushes trying to push figs out of our dried up little branches. We're brand new in Christ. We're attached to the vine. We have a new nature. We're now the right kind of tree. You don't do that to yourself. I... Apple trees don't have to, you know, they're not a different tree and then they have to magically make themselves into some different tree to be, to bear apples. Nor are apple trees out in the field when it's, when it's apple season, just branches are just pushing and straining, trying to push apples out. It's just, oh man, I wish I could bear some apples this year. No, it's by nature. They, They just, they're just there. They just come out. It's the nature of that tree to bear that fruit. And this promise is that God gives us that nature so that we're not trying to obey in our own strength, but the Holy Spirit of God is bearing His fruit in you as you walk with the Spirit and you sow in that field, the Spirit field, not the flesh field. Because in that field you just get rot and corruption and death. But in this field, eternal life. Paul says. What kind of tree are you today, Christian? Are you a dead tree 
still rooted in your old sinful nature, fallen in Adam, bearing the thorns and thistles of his curse? Or are you a living tree, rooted in the new spiritual nature, a new creation in Christ, bearing the good fruit of love and generous mercy, even for your enemies? Look to the Lord Jesus today, who is able to make dead things live again, and who will plant you forever in the garden of the Lord. This is what uh, Isaiah says in Isaiah 61. He says in 61 verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This was fulfilled in Jesus according to Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And then verse 3, to give to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Why? Second half of verse 3, so that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. The gospel was meant to do a lot of things. And one of those things was to plant you in the garden of the Lord as his prized plant that he puts on display. An oak of righteousness towering with branches wide and full bearing all the fruit of the Spirit. God does that. We can't make that happen. That's why we have to go back to point one and stay in the vine and soak up the word and sow to the spirit. And then we bear the fruit of the spirit. Which harvest are you striving for? Are you alive in Christ today? Are you the planting of the Lord? Fruit reveals the health of the tree. Fruit follows from the nature of the tree, the order of knowing, the order of being. And now we come to the final point this morning. Fruit comes from the root. Jesus uses the health of a tree and the nature of a tree to illustrate how fruitfulness in the Christian life indicates our spiritual health and is determined by our spiritual nature. And in this final illustration, Jesus changes metaphors. So I kept the metaphor in my name for this point. Fruit comes from the root. Jesus actually changes the metaphor, but it still works just the same. In this final illustration, Jesus changes metaphors and he appeals to the image of a treasure chest. Look at verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. Jesus says the heart is where we store our treasure and the heart is in our chest. Hence, treasure chest. I love it. Me and Jesus have a similar sense of humor and that's always a good sign. The heart's where you put the treasure, treasure chest. 
We can only take out, Jesus says, we can only take out of a treasure chest whatever is already inside that chest. Right? This is obvious stuff, but he has a profound point to make. If we didn't put it in, we can't pull it out. If you didn't put it in the chest, you can't pull it out of the chest. A chest can only produce its contents. Likewise, our hearts can only produce what's already inside them. We put into our heart the things we treasure, the things we love, the things we desire and delight in. Whatever is in our hearts comes out in our words, Jesus says, because we talk about the things we value. And not just our words, but it comes out on externally. Whatever's on the inside works its way out on the outside, both in how we speak and how we act, how we live, how we behave. It all comes from the heart. That's where everything we do, think, believe, strive for, want, seek, say, it all comes from the deepest springs of what we are down in the inside. It bubbles up from the inside and it overflows in our actions and words and conduct. Your words reveal your heart and your deeds reveal your character. The point is that whatever is on the inside is always going to show itself eventually on the outside. Your Christian life is the harvest of your heart. Trouble is, we are so good at hiding what's on the inside. Which is why Jesus rebuked it as hypocrisy in verse 42. This is why this passage follows what we looked at last week. You hypocrite, verse 42. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that is in, take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. Because no good tree bears bad fruit. The one who has the log but overlooks it and still presumes to see the speck is the bad tree bearing the bad fruit. And if we live like that consistently, that might be what we are, just a dead tree. If hypocrisy is long enough and deep enough we start to look at the fruit or the lack thereof and say, okay, biblically, I don't know that I see what the Bible says I'm supposed to see if you're really saved. This is why we have to look at the end of the day at our heart. We can't simply be a fruit inspector. We need to go to the root of the matter. We need to go to the heart, and God sees the hypocrite's heart. We might be able to deceive some people, but we cannot hide who we are and what we are from God. He knows if he has caused you to be born again or not. You're just Jonah trying to run from God, and he sees you down in the bottom of the boat hiding, running the opposite direction. It all comes down to the heart. Where is your heart today, Christian? What do you treasure? What's in the chest? 
Does your heart belong to Christ? Does abiding in the vine even sound remotely interesting to you? Does, does soaking up the word even, even matter to you? Does sowing to the Spirit sound like a drag? Or does it sound like that's what I was born again to do? The kingdom ethic demands everything from us, but the gospel promises everything to us. It promises us the new heart that loves God and loves neighbor and wants the things of God and hates the things God hates. Where is your heart today? The heart produces the nature. Do you have a new heart? If you do, you're a new creation in Christ. Out of that new nature comes the health of the tree. Are you healthy today? Out of the health of the tree comes the fruit. Look at your fruit. Follow the order of knowing and follow the order of being. And look at yourself today. Look at the harvest of your life. Look at the harvest of your heart. Are you alive today? Are you thriving? Are you growing? I see signs of life all over our church. I believe that this, is, this church can consider itself the planting of the Lord. There's life here. The Spirit's at work among us. Don't miss out. Get excited about what God's doing here. Let's all look at ourselves. Are there any logs that need to be chopped down out of our eyes? Let's look at our fruit. But, before, but not ultimately. Let's not put all of our focus on our fruit. Let's put our focus on these gospel promises. The promises of a new heart and a new nature and spiritual health and fruit that lasts and eternal life. Clinging to Christ. Abiding in the vine. That's where we have to be. So let's abide, church. And let's test ourselves. And let's make sure that we're alive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. The gospel that promises everything to us that your law demands of us. A gospel that promises to do in us and for us what we cannot do in and for ourselves. A gospel of a crucified Savior who paid it all, who took care of all of our sins, and who purchased for us everything we need to be whole and new and fruitful followers of Christ. We thank you that you have paid it all and done it all and provided it all. You've given us the resources we need to grow and to be healthy and to thrive to produce the fruit of love and the good deeds of generous mercy. And Lord, we ask, command, just as your servant Augustine said many, many years ago, many centuries ago, grant to us whatever you command and then command whatever you will. We can do nothing apart from you. We depend upon you Feed us with your faithfulness today. May we drink deep from the well of everlasting life you've provided. And I pray that you would cause all of us to grow.
to be fruitful, thriving, and flourishing for your name's sake and for your glory and for the good of our neighbors, even our enemies. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.